This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Pearl Auto, the folks that make wireless rear view cameras for your car that retrofit around your license plate and sync with your smartphone so you can drive safer. Check it out at pearlauto.com/fool and get free 2-day shipping. It's Wednesday, September 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Taylor, who's better dressed today, you or I? Well, I wouldn't know. The camera's not on. The camera's not on, unfortunately. It's the first time I've come in without gym shorts in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, do you have khaki pants on and a, the first polo I've ever seen with collar stays? It's pretty fantastic. Uh, I'm looking great and I'm feeling great, especially feeling great about the news we got to talk about today, including uh, some announcements about Mars from Elon Musk. Uh, and some great news in the beer industry, but let's begin with some not so great news from Nike. Uh, last, t- excuse me, on Tuesday, the sports apparel giant reported first quarter earnings. Earnings beat expectations, both profit and revenue mm-hmm. came in pretty good, but shares are down today. Taylor, what's yeah. the story here? Yeah, you're right on earnings. Uh Pretty significant beat. They had 73 cents a share versus an expected 56 cents a share. Um, I think after hours, shares were down about four four percent or something like that, but slowly rebounding today. Um, the big draw though was um, the futures orders. So that's basically orders that were placed but not delivered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could probably think of it as a backlog for Nike. Um, down. So analysts look looking into this a little bit more than Nike wants them to. Um, Nike is even going so far as not breaking this out in the next quarterly report because they they say that it's not nearly as important as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, these are orders from wholesalers, um, but as direct to consumer um, sales have grown for Nike, that's in their own branded stores and online. They're they're really not seeing this as such an important indicator of future business, um, especially when you look at. Online sales grew 49% in the quarter. Right. At the end of the day, Nike is still sitting pretty. You know, it's still the dominant sports apparel maker out there. You can't deny, though, that competitors like Adidas and Under Armour are slowly but surely chipping away at that market share. You know, uh, Under Armour, they landed the deal with Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry, as some people like to call him. And that has just paid dividends for that company. Adidas, they've got the new Yeezys, Kanye West shoes, which are. Horrific, quite frankly. I don't know. Yeah, have you I've, seen those? I haven't. I think that's like Adidas' new claim to fame is fashion-forward sneakers. That's, so I, I don't. I prefer functionality. Yeah, I don't like that at all. But the point is that Nike has to compete with those mm-hmm. companies, and to do so, it's been offering uh, like lower-priced versions of its LeBron James and Kevin Durant basketball shoes, which in turn lower margins, yep. as we saw this quarter. So how does a Nike uh, clearly? You know they're trying to respond to these threats posed by the smaller companies, by Adidas and Under Armour. How does Nike really respond at the end of the day? Because again, margins are going to get hurt if you try to undercut your competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you just rely on that stable of athletes that you already have if you're Nike? You know, what do you do here? Well, it's, to, to compete with sponsorships is tough with Under Armour right now because they had the MVP of every league, every major sports league, um, and then they had the best golfer in the world as well last year. So mm-hmm. it's tough to compete on that avenue. But um, you're looking at them cutting loss-making businesses. They're they're getting out of the golf game. Um, so you, that's one avenue that maybe they could reevaluate some of their businesses that are a little bit more on the peripheral uh, of sporting goods. Um, but you've also seen them get hurt by a little bit by Sports Authority going out of business, Sports Chalet going out of business. Um, but then again, boosted by revenue in the online and um, store branded sales. So 
I, I think that this company is doing just fine. Uh, the sell-off this year is down about 13%, so might be presenting an opportunity that you haven't seen with Nike shares in, in several years. Uh, still looks a little bit overvalued historically, but with the market at near all-time highs, um, a company that's the clear market share leader selling at a discount over the last couple of years, I think it's worth looking at. Absolutely. Okay, uh, let's take a look at Elon Musk's plan to colonize Mars. My God. So, Elon Musk, the, the head of SpaceX, as well as Tesla, and obviously Solar City is soon coming into to play there as well. Uh, Elon Musk spoke at the International Astronautical Conference in Guadalajara, Mexico, earlier this week. Uh, he revealed his plans for the Interplanetary Transport System, which is his company, SpaceX's idea, uh, to colonize Mars over the next couple of not next couple of years, next hundred years or so. Let's say beginning in nine years. Beginning very soon. To twenty twenty five, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready to go to Mars? Uh, well, he's hoping to get the price tag down to 200k per per visitor, mm-hmm. so not quite yet. Sure, but <laughs> um, eventually it sounds fun. Why not? It does sound fun. You know, he he's trying to pitch this, and Elon Musk, God bless him, he's a pretty good salesman. He is. But he was pitching it. Uh, the trip uh, will be at least a month long, uh, if not longer, depending on where you know Mars and Earth are sure, positioned, yeah. what have you. Uh, but during the trip, uh, the the flight will include uh, zero gravity games. There'll be <laughs> movies. Why not? Maybe a restaurant on the uh, on the ship. This sounds like fun. I, and the biggest draw to me is uh, for a long time I think a lot of people if you wanted to colonize Mars you had to be willing to never come back to Earth again. Sure. Uh, that might change with this interplanetary transport system. You have the option to come on back. So you could take a simple Martian vacation maybe for a month or two. A little semester at sea. A semester, <laughs> a semester on Mars. That actually sounds pretty great. It does, doesn't it? I give that a shot. So I guess uh, you know let, let's let's Come on back down to earth here. Are there any? Do you see any opportunities as investors in an announcement like this? You know, you we can't buy shares of SpaceX, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We could buy shares of Solar City or Tesla, which mm-hmm. obviously Elon Musk has uh, a big hand in. So I guess if you want to follow Elon Musk, you know that's one way to do it. But for the actual business of space travel, you know, there's fuel. There's obviously the costs of production. Uh, there's there's a lot of factors at play here. Is there really any way to to make money off this if you're an investor? Um, I would imagine that you could look at some of the more major defense contractors Hmm. um, because they do uh, have some hand in uh, space travel, either through contracts with NASA or contracts with private uh, space explorers um, like an Elon Musk. So that that could be something that you could look at. Uh, but then, you know, this is definitely the frontier. Um, obviously, he's the only person really even considering going to Mars at this point. Um, so I'm a little hesitant on on a near term company to invest in, sure. but um, I could see one day t- Tesla, Solar City, and SpaceX all being under the same ticker. So um, getting in on one of those companies now, maybe you're rolled into SpaceX at some point, um, because it is making quite a bit of money through oh, yeah. government contracts and private contracts uh, as well. So um, this isn't a this isn't a business that is hemorrhaging money anymore. It's definitely carrying its own weight. So maybe it, maybe it goes public one day. 100 to 200 people to Mars at a time. The journey could take as little as 80 to 90 days at this point. It's going to get it down lower over time. You're not going to Mars? I'm going to Mars, man. I mean, I'm I'm, give it one a shot. day I'll go. I'm just uh, so it says in 2018 might be the first un- right. unmanned test just based on uh, 
Earth's proximity to Mars, and then maybe again in 2020. Um, my interest is definitely peaked. It doesn't get nearly the news uh, that it should. Um, I think this is more important than the debates, personally. <laughs> Probably not wrong about that. (laughs) Uh, Before we move on, uh, we have to say thanks to Pearl Auto for supporting today's episode. Pearl Auto, uh, for those folks out there who haven't heard of the company, and there's probably a lot of you since it is a very new company, uh, makes a set of wireless rear view cameras that fit around your license plate and sync with your smartphone so you can drive safer. It's really quick and easy to install. We actually installed it on the Foolmobile, which is the minivan uh, decked out in full colors and full logos we have here at Fool HQ. And we drove it around in the parking lot in reverse. In reverse, nice. It was, okay, it was pretty fun. Uh, I was doing, you know, I was doing donuts in the parking lot backwards, <laughs> and Pearl Auto made it easy. Uh, so the the system it has like little chimes. If you get too close to objects, you can adjust the camera up, down, left, right, which you don't have the option to on a lot of cars when those uh, yeah, right. cameras come pre-installed. And speaking of pre-installed cameras, if you ever wanted to retrofit your car, and my car doesn't have those rear view cameras already installed, if you ever want to retrofit that, that's thousands of dollars mm-hmm. right out the door. Uh, Pearl Auto, it's a lot cheaper. Uh, and you can just put the license plate on, and you're good to go. Download the app. It's actually really simple. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, and the panel is solar-powered, pal- so it stays charged on its own. Uh, and the Pearl app will automatically update to add any additional features. So you can upgrade the safety of your vehicle without buying a new one. Pearl Auto has a special offer just for Fool listeners. Go to pearlauto.com fool to get free two-day shipping. That's pearlauto.com fool. I'm a parallel parking purist, but I do appreciate the backup camera. You know, I don't. So, like I said, I don't have the backup yeah. camera on my car. It's very tempting to get something <laughs> like this because it is it is very simple. You just put the put the phone on the dashboard in the GPS clip or what have you, and you're good to go. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I like it. Give Pearl Auto a shot, folks. Okay, uh, let's move on to our final story of the day. Uh, in the beer world, Anheuser-Busch InBev uh, won approval from shareholders for its $100 billion takeover of rival SAB Miller. Uh, that is changing the game in the beer industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, these two titans are going to begin begin trading as one combined company uh, in early October, I believe October 11th, uh, and this makes... AB InBev, the biggest beer company in the world by a lot of factors. Yeah, if you drink a 12-pack, three of those beers are coming from this company. <laughs> one, in four, one in four beers sold worldwide will come from the new company, still going to be called AB InBev. Um, apparently, some SAB Miller uh, shareholders had their feathers ruffled, um, but the CEO was like, you know what? They're paying for the the right I was to name say, this company whatever. A hundred billion yes. dollars. You can name it whatever you want. So it's keeping AB InBev. Uh, this is the third largest merger ever mm-hmm. uh, in the in the public markets, uh, just behind um, AOL Time Warner. Uh, the miraculously failed merger um, after nine years of one hundred sixty four billion dollars spent by AOL. Uh, but yeah, so this one. Approved by 95.5% of shareholders, uh, so overwhelmingly approved. 
uh, 45% of industry profits. This is going to be That's a nuts. monster. That's crazy. And you know, you hear numbers like that, like you said, 45% industry profits. One in every four beers mm-hmm. in the world are going to be sold by this company. You got to wonder, what does that leave for the other companies out there? But I was reading about this. It's interesting to make this deal you know, pass inspection by all the regulators out there. In other words, to make sure this didn't just turn into a beer monopoly. Yep. Uh, SAB Miller and InBev had to sell off a lot of portions yeah. of their business to their rivals. So a lot of the rivals in the beer industry actually were strengthened in a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know, while you're watching this Titan form, you're still getting something out of the deal if you're, you know, any one of the other companies out there like Miller Coors, uh, which I which I like, you know, it, it means better things for us yep. as the consumers. We don't want a world of just Budweiser's. At least I don't, personally. No, yeah, I'm hipsters. completely off the fence on Budweiser. Yeah, that's very reasonable. Uh, hipsters like us, we need our we need our IPAs. You know, We need our, <laughs> our peach-flavored ciders and whatnot. Uh, so, taking a look around at the beer industry with this deal in mind, mm-hmm. where are the best comp- what are the best companies for our investment dollars? Is it going to be backing this titan in the industry? Is it going to be looking at other competitors like maybe Boston Beer, which makes Sam Adams? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you looking at as a beer investor today? Well, I mean, this company. I mean, this is basically investing in the Exxon of the beer world. <laughs> so you're looking at you're going to probably looking at some steady growth here. They do gain access. Uh, AB InBev does now gain access to Africa, um, one of the fastest growing beer markets in the world. They also expand access to Latin America. But they had to give up Miller Lite and that whole suite. Uh, they they had a 58% stake that Molson Coors did not own. Molson Coors had first wire refusal, so they now own 100% right. of the Miller Coors uh, franchise, which is 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 pretty significant in size. They paid 12 billion dollars for it. Um, so I think that might be one company that you could certainly hone in on as a smaller. A competitor that still has the big brands because mm-hmm. when you do look at Sam Adams, um, mostly North American, and it has seen its struggles recently. But I could see it acquiring some more uh, small craft brews because that's where it got its uh, start from. You know, craft breweries, right. Sam Adams, um, and they've been a little bit more innovative in terms of some other products that they've come out with. But those have still yet to prove themselves out, like Hard Tonic, which I'm. Um, I haven't given that a shot yet. Yeah. No, no, not my, not my. Interesting, jam. interesting idea. Um, I'm not, I haven't checked the execution. So, mm. well, uh, and I, you made a great point there too. You know, uh, AB InBev uh, and uh, SAB Miller they joined forces way back in 2004. Uh, excuse me, not SAB Miller. I apologize. That's AmBev and Interbrew. They were the ones who joined mm-hmm. forces in 2004. And since then, InBev has been on a tear yeah. of acquisitions because that's. The only seemingly the only growth left to these companies, and you mentioned it just a second ago. You know, uh, Boston Beer and all these other companies—they're they're trying to find new ways to grow, but it's very difficult. You know, people are set in their ways, yep. and so really one of the only avenues of growth left is to look internationally. And with this deal, InBev suddenly has, as you said, access to these huge growth markets of Africa, Latin America. Uh, and Asia to a yeah. certain extent, uh, so that's that's definitely one thing to to watch for. Uh, what is your favorite beer for the fall? I mean, a lot of pumpkin spiced things out there, a lot of October fests. Yeah. Uh, if you had to pick one of the fall flavored beers available to you now, which is your favorite? 
I don't I don't get on the flavor beer train. What? Um, Come on, man. A little uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest, a little little pumpkin, you know, Jenny Cream Ale. No, nothing. No, like not that? for me. No, I'll stick with my founder session IPAs oh my or um, or some some farmhouse ales, some sours. Sours is pretty pretty wintry, pretty folly. You millennials. All right, Taylor Muckerman, thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.